this coronavirus thing has affected every area of our lives. Physically, there are thousands upon thousands of people who have gotten sick and have died. Financially, it's closed down our economy. Millions of people have lost their jobs because of this. But I think the area that it has affected the most and will affect the most is emotionally. You see, I don't think that we have begun to understand what this isolation has done to us. I believe that it has been a major contributing factor in a number of the deaths that have occurred. And that doesn't even account for all of the depression and the despair that people have gone through because of this isolation. Back in March, they, they put in quarantine the nursing home and the assisted living that my mother and father were in. What that meant was that we were no longer able to go and visit my dad, to hold his hand, to look in his eyes, to talk to him face to face, eye to eye. And that affected all of us, but I think that it affected my mom the most. She began to feel guilty because she was not able to be there with the man that she had loved and been married to for almost 63 years. And that guilt turned into grief that began to cripple her. And then it also affected my dad. Before the quarantine, my dad was on hospice, but my dad was stable. His weight seemed stable. He was eating okay. He, his health seemed stable. But once they went on lockdown, once they went on quarantine, everything changed with my dad. His appetite diminished, his weight dramatically fell, and I believe that his will to live disappeared. You see, it's frightening what isolation can do to a human being. It not only causes depression and despair, isolation causes death. And the reason is, you and I were not created to live in isolation. We were created to live in community. We were created to live in relationship. From the beginning of creation, relationship has been a part of our DNA. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God created us in his image, in his likeness. Now remember, God is a triune God. For all eternity, God has been living in relationship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Godhead living in relationship. And the Bible says that you and I are created in the image of God. That's why God said in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, it's not good for man to be alone. Now let that sink in for just a moment. Even in this perfect environment called Eden. Even before the fall when there was no sin. God said it's not good for man to be alone. The reason is you and I weren't created to live in isolation. We were created not only for a desire, with a desire. But we were created with a need for community. Rick Warren, who is the author of that best-selling book, The Purpose Driven Life, said it this way. He said, we're created for community, fashioned for fellowship, and formed 
for family. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are, how introverted or how extroverted you may be, how rich or how poor, how um, educated or uneducated, we all need to connect with one another. Even secular psychiatrists and psychologists understand this. According to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, once our psychological and safety needs are met, the next greatest need that you and I have is the need to be loved and to belong. And that's why the early church made such a big deal of community, fellowship, living in relationship. The Bible says that every day they met together from house to house. And that's why we as a church must make biblical community a priority if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be. I am convinced that we will never survive, much less thrive in our Christian life apart from belonging to a family of faith. Our, our mission statement says this. Our mission is to make disciples of all people by leading them to believe in Jesus, belong to his family, and become like him. Believe in Jesus is, is giving our life to him, repenting of our sin, placing our faith in him, entering into a relationship. Belonging to his family is living in community with other believers. Becoming like him is making a commitment to spiritual growth. And the Bible makes it clear that you and I will never be the growing, maturing Christians we need to be without not only believing and becoming, but belonging. But what does it mean to belong? When we talk about belonging to the family of faith, belonging to the family of God, what does that mean? Well, this morning for a few minutes, what I want to do is give you four things that I believe this means that, that shares with us four levels of belonging. And the truth of the matter is, if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to be a part at each level of belonging. Now, the first level of belonging is membership, belonging to a church family. This is the most basic level. What this means is you find a church home and you choose to connect with that church home. I want you to listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 19. It says, you are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You belong. You see, the Christian life isn't just a matter of believing. It is a matter of belonging. God wants you to be a part of his family. When you were born, you automatically entered the human race. But you must make a decision. You must choose to belong to the family of God, the church. It's your choice. I hear some people today say, well, I'm a Christian, but, but I don't want to be a part of a church. And that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any more sense than a person saying, well, I want to be a football player, but I don't want to be a part of a team. Or I want to be a bee, but I don't want to be a part of the hive. I mean, you can't do that. You see, to be a Christian and not have a church family is to be a spiritual orphan. And it's only in America that we have this idea of either floating believers or 
not belonging to a church at all. We have this idea that we can float from church to church to church to church. I'll go to this church this Sunday, this church next Sunday, and another church the following Sunday. But the Bible doesn't teach that. If I want to grow and mature in my faith, I have to belong to a local church. So let me ask you, do you belong? Have you taken the step to become a part of the Northside family? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to do that. Don't just come and sit in a seat. Become a part of the team. And I've got to be honest with you. If you're here and you go, well, I don't want to be a part of your team. Well, then find a team. If you're listening online, find a team. Don't just be comfortable sitting in your house watching online. You need to be a part of a local church family. So membership is level one. The second level is friendship. Now, friendship is learning to share. The Bible makes it clear that you and I are to do life together. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says this. All the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. Now, notice two things. You can't develop friendships without meeting together. And you can't develop friendships without sharing. Now, the more frequently we meet together, the deeper our friendships will grow. You see, you and I choose to develop friendships by making time for them. Do you know the number one reason why people are lonely in America today? It's because we don't make time for relationships. We're too busy achieving. We're too busy working. We're too busy doing other things. And we're not willing to put the time into building relationships. You and I have to meet together. You have to get together. And until that becomes a priority in your life, you're never going to develop the deep relationships that the Bible talks about. Now notice, friendship is all about sharing. Listen to that verse again. It says they shared everything. Now, now one of the lessons that we as parents have to teach our kids is how to share. I mean, we don't normally, naturally like to share. And so we have to teach people to share. And God wants the members of his family to learn to share with one another. And so what are we to share? Well, the Bible gives us a number of things that we should share, but I want to give you three, if I may. First of all, we need to share our experiences with one another. The Bible says that we learn from one another, just as Solomon said, iron sharpens iron. You see, it's wise for you and I to learn from the experiences of other people because we don't have time to make all the mistakes ourselves. If the only way that we're going to learn is through trial and error and experience it ourselves, we're going to go through a whole lot of problems unnecessarily. Not going to chase this rabbit. But the reason so many people have relational problems in dating and marriage is because they haven't listened to the experiences of other people. If we can learn from other people's experience, 
It will protect us from a lot of heartache. We share our experiences. Next, we share our homes. Did you know the Bible says that? In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, it says, open up your homes to one another. Now, why does God say that? Why does God say share your home? Can I tell you why? Because friendships cannot be developed in a crowd. Did you hear me? You don't develop friendships in a crowd. It's impossible in a, in a church service like we're in right now to develop real friendships. We can worship together. We can celebrate together, we can sing together, we can serve together, we can, we can pray together. But if we are going to build friendships, the only way that can happen is either in a small group environment or one-on-one. -on -one. That's why the Bible says we share our homes. Because when we get in these homes, we get into small enough groups where we get to know one another, where we're rubbing elbows, where we're into one another's lives. Did you know in the first 300 years of the church, the only place that the church met was in people's homes? For the first 300 years of the church, there were no church buildings. Now we're blessed. We're blessed with amazing facilities where, where we can have adult life groups and we can have preschool and we can have children and we can have student ministries. We are blessed. And I praise God for that. But I want you to know, I believe with all my heart, if we're going to build the kind of relationships God wants us to build, we don't do that in groups of 20 and 30 and 40 or more people. It doesn't happen. We build these relationships, we connect, we do life together when we get into a group of 8 or 10 or, or, or maybe 12 people. We're, we're sitting face to face, we're, we're sharing meals, we're sharing our experiences, we are doing life. So we share our homes. And then finally, we share our problems you see, you aren't meant to, to face your problems alone. The Bible says share each other's troubles and problems. Paul told us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. You see, small groups, they aren't primarily, I want you to hear me, they aren't primarily about a Bible study, though we study the Bible. Small groups are about relationships. And so there are times when you're in a small group where you're going to laugh until you cry. There are other times when you're in a small group that you're going to cry until you laugh. It all depends on what the people in your small group are going through. Because we weep with those who weep. We laugh with those who laugh. And, and some of us, this worries us because we think, well, when people are having problems and they open up on their problems, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix their problems. Well, guess what? I don't either. <laughs> you can't fix anybody's problem. The only person that can fix a person's problem is God connecting with that person but what you can do is you can listen you can be there you can be a presence and that's what small groups are supposed to do so we have the friendship level the membership level so let me ask you are you connected to a small group this summer because of this coronavirus we're kind of forced to do something different and I think it's a God-forced thing we're going to be having home groups, meeting in people's homes. Some will meet in their backyard. Some may meet in their front yard. I don't know. But, 
but groups of 8, 10, maybe 12 people who are coming together. We're doing this study, The Art of Neighboring. And we're going to be breaking bread together and, and sharing experiences and sharing problems and, and doing life. And I believe this summer, doing this can be a life-changing experience for each and every one of us. And so let me encourage you to make a commitment to join us this summer for this. Now, the third level of belonging is partnership. Partnership is doing your part. Partnership is realizing that you have a contribution to make. It's, It's understanding that the family of God needs you. Listen, God didn't bring you to Northside to sit and soak in a spiritual spa. God brought you to Northside because you have things that you can do. You have gifts that you can give to serve the body of God. God wants to make a difference through your life. And just like in every family that that is here today, we have family responsibilities. We have chores that we're supposed to do. And God wants you to do some chores God gives you some responsibilities. And and those things are based upon your gifts, your abilities, your your heart's desire. But you need to serve. Now the Bible says that we do these things together. We do these things with one another. Did you know there are 58 one another's in the Bible? 58. We are to love one another. We're to serve one another. We're to pray for one another. It even says that we are to put up with one another. I I know some of you are doing that with me right now, right? I mean, you do that with your spouse, don't you? You do that with your kids. You do that with your parents. We put up with one another. Well, the Bible says in the body of Christ, as we are working together to accomplish the goal that God has given us to do, we put up with one another. And and as we're doing all of these one another's, this is love in action. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, we are partners working together for God. So the first level is membership, connecting to a local church. Second level, friendship, getting plugged into a small group where you're building those intimate relationships, doing life together. The third level is partnership. But then the final level that each and every one of us should seek to strive for is kinship. Now, kinship is a word that we don't use much today. It's kind of an old-fashioned word. But when I think about kinship in regard to the Bible, I think about loving other believers like we love our family. That's kinship. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 12, be devoted to one another as you are devoted to your family. Be devoted to one another. What that's saying is I am committed, I am sold out to this relationship to the point that I am willing to sacrifice for you. Now, now most of us in here, we know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And who doesn't know that? But there's another verse that's equally important, another 3.16. It's 1 John 3.16. Listen to what 1 John 3.16 says. It says, we know that real love, we know what real love is because Christ gave his life for us. And we ought to give our lives for the Christian brothers and sisters. Did you get that? We know what love is because Jesus showed us. And we are called to give our lives for one another. That's the kind of relationships that you and I should be striving to build. 
The kind where we stick with it. We stand with one another. Even when we're going through a crisis. Even when we are hurting. Even when we mess up. We need the kind of relationships where when everyone else walks out, we're willing to walk in. Jesus said it this way. He said, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It wasn't long after Jesus said this that the Roman authorities started persecuting and killing Christians. They would feed them to the lions in the Colosseum. They would burn them as stakes. They would crucify them. They did many horrific things to them. And it was during this time that a secular historian, not a Christian, wrote this about Christians. He said, behold how they love each other. Wow. You know, I've come to realize that that it's very easy for us to get off target. It's very easy for us to make things that are important, the most important thing, when it's not really the most important thing. You see, when I think about Northside, I, I don't want us to be known for our size. I don't want us to be known for our sermons. I don't want us to be known for our singing. I don't want us to be known for our, our facilities. I want us to be known for our love. Wouldn't it be great if, if when people who don't know Jesus pass by this place... They say that's the place where people love one another. Because that's what Christianity is really all about. Loving God and loving one another. So, so how do we know if we're in God's family? We belong to God's family. Well, I believe there are three verses that, that I can give you that, that will tell you that. 1 John 3.10 says this. Anyone who does not love other Christians... Does not belong to God. Did you get that? Anyone who does not love other Christians doesn't belong to God. First John 4.20. Those who do not love their brothers and sisters whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have never seen. First John 3.14. But if we love our Christian brothers, it proves that we have passed from death to eternal life. That's the proof. The proof that our heart's been changed, that we're a part of the family of God, is that we love one another the way Jesus loves us. And so let me close with a couple of relevant questions. Which of these levels are you at? And which of these levels do you need to move to? What about membership? Have you made the decision to belong? If you're here or you're listening and you haven't made a commitment to a local church and you're a Christian, you need to do that. You are sinning until you do. So make that commitment. The second level is sharing, doing life together. Meeting in a small group. Are you connected to a small group? If you're not you're never going to grow the way God intends for you to grow. And this summer, as we do home groups, though it can be challenging in some ways, is an incredible time for you to get connected. Third, God doesn't want us just to share our heart. God wants us to do our part. God wants us to partner. And so are you serving the body using the gifts and the abilities 
that God has given you. You can do that through our entire church. You can do that through your small group. And then finally, are you devoted to other believers? Are you at that level where you're willing to sacrifice for your brothers and sisters in Christ? When we get to that point, everything else will take care of itself. Can I be transparent? I'm not at that point. There are some people that I may be at that point with. But when I think about being committed and sold out to my spiritual family to the same degree that I am to my physical family, that's heavy. And yet when we are, that's when the world will take notice. And as we close, an even more basic question is this. Are you a part of the family of God? Now, some of you may be listening to me and you say, well, isn't everybody a part of the family of God? And I would say, no, the Bible says everybody is created by God, but everybody is not a child of God. The Bible says we become a child of God when we place our faith in Jesus, when we repent of our sin. So are you a child of God? If you're not, that's the most important thing that you can do today. If you are a child of God, then you need to determine where you're at in this belonging spectrum and take a step to a deeper level. I would challenge you this summer, join us for these home groups. Sign up. Let God change your life. I want you to bow your head with me. With your head bowed, with your eyes closed. If you're here and you've never become a part of God's family, you've never turned from sin and trusted Jesus, then I want to encourage you right here, right now, to humble yourself and give your life to Jesus. You can do that through praying this prayer. Dear God, I come to you this morning humbly acknowledging that I am a sinner. I've lived life my way. Oh, God, forgive me. I don't want to live this way anymore. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. You died on the cross. You rose from the grave to pay for my sins. Today I'm trusting you. Today I'm giving you my life. Come into my heart and take control. Make me a brand new person, I pray. Amen.